0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com The idea that we're going to share tonight is perhaps from all the ideas that we've ever spoken about, one of the most profound and life-changing ideas if we can completely grasp the depth of this idea. For those of you who watch a lot of my classes, you know that there's one Safer that I love from And this class, to a very large degree, is based on one sentence which I'm going to read to you, which is some of the most unbelievable and empowering words that you'll ever hear in your entire life. People often ask, Why does Hashem care if on Shabbos I'm cutting off some onions, I cut them up very thin? Why does Hashem care? Why does Hashem care if I speak some much in Hara? I enjoy it. Look, look, What does He care? I want to say something, nibble, I want to curse. Why does Hashem care? Why does Hashem care what I look at? What, what is Hashem, why does Hashem have so many rules? I get up in the morning, I have to wash my hands this way, I have to do that. Everything that I do has to be just like this and just like that. This religion is a religion that's filled with rules. Why so many rules? If you think about it, if you take a whole bunch of people, put them on an island, and say to them, go fend for yourself. So what would happen? They would probably elect a leader or a council, and the council would come up with rules. Now, most people recognize that every single society needs rules to live by. And we sort of look at ourselves as living in whatever society we live in. I'm an American, so I have the American society, so I have the American rules. And I'm a Jew, so I have the Jewish rules. And what's the rule book? The rule book is the Torah. The Torah is my rule book. I have 613 rules. And then I have the American rules, American laws that I have to uh, you know, live by. But Chazal tell us that that's not how it works. We know that there's a very famous statement, that Hashem looked within the Torah, and He created the world from the blueprint of the Torah. Now that's a very interesting statement, because what that means is that the rule book preceded the necessity to create rules. It would almost be like, imagine you went back in time to 1732. And you're, you're walking around the Midwest, which is completely uninhabited. There's no people, there's nothing, and you see like some Indians riding around on some, some horses. And you notice that there's speed bumps, and there's signs that say, speed limit 30 miles an hour. And you're like, what does this mean? And they say, well, one day in the future, there will be cars, and those cars shall not drive faster than 30 miles an hour. You're like, dude, I think you're a little early to the game, <laughs> right? You created the rules like 250 years before. They're going to need any of this, so it's very interesting. Hashem looked in the rule book and then he created the rules. Like ha- that's that sounds like you put things. W- that's a little neurotic. Like you went a little bit too far on that one. <laughs> you don't have to create the rules till we need the rules. We need the rules now. You give us the rules. What does it mean that Hashem looked within the Torah, within the rule book, to create mankind? Like how does that all work? Reveille Lapian says a very, very fascinating idea. He says, The Torah represents perfection from the viewpoint of Hashem. I have to repeat that, because it's a very deep idea. The Torah represents perfection through the viewpoint of Hashem. Hashem has this view of perfect speech. Perfect sight, perfect eating, kosher, non-kosher. We people are a manifestation of abilities inherent in achieving that perfection. Which means the only reason that we have the ability to speak at all is because there is a perfect way to speak. The Torah says, "Don't speak lashon hara." So therefore we have the ability to speak in order to achieve the perfect way of speaking. The Torah tells us there's a perfect way to eat. And therefore you have the ability to eat in order to achieve a perfect state of eating. Everything that we have, every ability that goes into our bones is solely there as a way for us to perfect our own abilities within the framework called Existence so that we can emulate the Torah's perfect example that it sets forth for us for each and every one of those abilities. And revelia Apoyant says, words, which we cannot get tattoos, so do not get a tattoo. But if someone were to get a fake tattoo, these are words to tattoo on your arm for the rest of your life. La l'ayis al-yadacha It should be like a sign on your heart and on your mind every single day. He says these words. He says, Adam of everything in the entire universe that was created, all the stars, all the galaxies, everything in the world that was created, the spitz, the top, the peak, the purpose of all of that was man. U and he's the chosen one of everything that Hashem created. Everything in the world is there, to lead up and up and up and up to man. And every ability that man has is solely there for him to perfect that ability which was only given to him because it exists within the framework of achieving perfection. That is that is the most mind-boggling idea. It, it I want to I want to explain this on like a, a bit of a deeper level. Many years ago when I was young I had been invited to this conference, this small group of people who were brainstorming, who were networking, in order to create different vehicles for getting non-affiliated Jews interested in religion. So they said, imagine you had no budget, no budget at all, and you had all the abilities in the world to create anything that you can imagine to get people who are not interested in religion interested in religion, what would you do? So we started doing some research, and I had this whole idea for a platform online that people can go and they can access and live life in a virtual manner as a Jew. Okay, that was its own idea. But as I was doing the research on this, I I discovered a very interesting fact. You see, in 1901, Walt Disney was born. Walt Disney was like the godfather of animation, idea of Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, he was the guy. He was the one who figured it all out. He died in like 1966. And from when he started drawing, which was around 1919, till his death, animation had a certain framework on which it was built. And if you look at the the initial ways that they used to animate film, was they would have a slide, and then they would have another slide which had the exact same scene with the main character a drop different than the first one. And then they would have the third slide, which was a drop different than the second, and so on and so forth. And then when you would run the reel, it would look as if the thing was moving. So that was how they did it. And that evolved throughout the film industry from 1966 until the year 2001. And to a very large degree, there was a static image, but the focal point, which was on the character, let's say Mickey Mouse or Minnie Mouse... That was what changed and adjusted per scene. 2001, DreamWorks was this huge animation center. They decided that they're going to rewrite the rules of, of, of animation. And what they, what they decided was that if you can write a rulebook for animation and then plug in the characters into that rulebook, so now you're dealing with things on a totally different, different realm. And I'll explain to you what that means. And somebody laughs, so what moves? So their, their mouth moves. But more than their mouth, is their eyes crinkle. Their shoulders move. Their, their stomach goes up and down. That's a rule. That's, that's something which you have to really understand, but that's a rule. And they wrote this rule into this framework that they said, this is going to be how we're going to start creating movies from here on in. And if, let's say there's a scene that's going on outside. So outside there's wind. There's the elements. There's rain. What happens when it rains? So the floor gets wet. So there's puddles. So instead of having to draw the puddles, the puddles draw themselves. Or because the wind blows, the leaves move. Every element within the virtual worlds that they were creating, they wrote the rules. It's sort of like the laws of gravity. The laws of gravity, nobody walks around and goes, I got all these rules! How am I supposed to keep them? <laughs> you don't have to keep them. They, they just keep themselves. They just work. Because they work. Because that's just how it is. That's They try to replicate those laws. Rather than rules, it's laws. It's laws of nature. It's laws of gravity. It's just laws. These are This is what happens. There's no other way about it. And those movies from then, from 2001 onwards, started to carry these rules. And then when they plugged in the character, the character was just existing within that framework. So if, if it was told that when the wind blows, the hair moves a certain degree, then that was what happened. That is how we exist. We exist within the framework of what Hashem has devised in the Torah. It's the laws of nature are not the laws of nature, they're the laws of the Torah. We can only eat because there's a perfect way of eating. We can only speak because there's a perfect way of speaking. Smart people study the framework. Smart people, they recognize That if I want to understand and maximize my time here in this world, I want to study that framework to understand what perfection is, what my abilities are. How do I link the two together? And then I can maximize my life. A lot of people think within marriage, I know exactly what my spouse needs to do. I know what they need to do to leave me alone. They're driving me crazy. This is what they need to work on, etc., etc. Very few people are smart enough to say... What is that framework that I'm going to study and know and master and understand myself, my spouse, so that I can link the two together and be like, I got this. I understand exactly what I need. Nobody will be foolish enough. When your child, somebody needs to tell you, don't waste time. An adult, you don't have to, t- an adult to say the words, I have time to kill, is like, what? You have time to what? Like... That's like something a, seven, a seven-year-old says. Maybe a seventh grader. At a certain point, you're like, time to kill? You understand that the framework of life gives you time. You don't kill time. Time is your most valuable commodity. You, you use time. You utilize your time. Within marriage, it's the same way. If you understand the various facets of your marriage and you study them, then you understand that there's a plan, there's a master plan. You, you, you maximize all your abilities within that to achieve a more perfect union. That's an awesome marriage. Because you understand that you're existing within this framework that was set out by the Torah. What does that mean? I don't know. Let's discover it. You go through all the steps to really delve deep into your relationship so that you understand your emotional needs, your wife's emotional needs, your your kids. You you understand it and then you do it and you do it right. That's how you maximize your life. And that's so much what we try to to set out and achieve. The Marriage Project, which is what we started at marriagepro.co, so much of it is there to try to get people to understand that there's a framework here. So many people whose marriages were just cruising or non-existent or 5% almost on life support, start going through it and you start recognizing the framework of what a perfect marriage is, then you can start doing marriage right. But until you understand it, when it's just a bunch of rules, all these terrible, Sheva Bruchless jokes, oh, the mother-in-law, and all these silly, stupid things that people say, they don't get it. They're not understanding that this is the most perfect union of the most perfect people. Because Adam is you're the purpose of everything in creation. You're the chosen one amongst all the billions of organisms that are created in the world. And yet Hashem still says about you, you're not good until you get married. So go get married. But the same way you exist and try to achieve a state of perfection, your marriage has to mirror that same state of perfection. If you study it, if you live it, if you incorporate it, that's when you start to blow it out of the water. But so long as it's a rule book, and it's not a law, it's not just this is who we are, this is how we exist, then you're not going to maximize the most important person in your life, the most, peop- most important people in your life, and the most important framework within which you exist. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by